Let's continue our Sunday night series from Chaldea to Canaan. Deuteronomy chapter 6, as we approach our 40th anniversary this November, I'm attempting to make application to our church by considering the children of Israel as they ended their wilderness time and crossed over Jordan. And we still haven't actually got to the river crossing. (laughs) Uh, we're, We're getting there. God's laid upon my heart some things. I keep wanting to get there, and then some things pop in my mind. And so we're just addressing those, kind of setting the table for when we do get there. And and uh, we, we started uh, this series with the thought that one of the major themes of the Bible is how God is desirous to bring a people out for himself. And, and we see that throughout. And, and by the way, that's a New Testament thing. Amen. <laughs> Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And I will receive you. Touch not the unclean thing. I got that all backwards, but you know what I mean. And so... Uh, that's one of the major themes of the Bible. And, and so we first considered Abram, how he came out of Chaldea and into Canaan. And the challenge on that was, have you crossed over? But then his descendants, the children of Jacob, remember there was a dearth in all the lands. And because of that, they had to go down into Egypt to make it through that time. And what turned into, let's go get some food, ended up being over 400 years. <laughs> and so uh, while they were there, but anyway, with every passing generation there, it, it got more and more uncomfortable, and it got to the point when they became enslaved. And as they still grew and multiplied, remember Pharaoh said, we've got to do something about this. And so he ordered the death of all the firstborn among the males among the Hebrews. And so... Uh, they began to cry out to God there in Egypt and for deliverance. <clears throat> and our second message was about how God had sent Moses into Egypt to deliver them. But more specifically, how God spoke to him from that burning bush. And how Moses, having seen many things on fire in the wilderness over 40 years, could have just walked past it. But it was when he turned aside, God spoke to him. And the challenge was, let's not miss the miracle of, of this church. Don't miss the miracle among the mundane of just your day-to-day, week-to-week church life. This is a miracle that we're here tonight. It's a miracle. And so we've just always got to remember that. Then we considered the 12 spies who went to search out the land. And the question was, what do you see on the other side of 40 years? What do you see? And uh, after that, we talked about how the eagle stirs the nest to make the eaglets uncomfortable. And and, and I think that's where we're at. We've got to get uncomfortable about, about some things if we're going to go higher. So remember that Deuteronomy is a restating. And in in the book of of Deuteronomy, Moses is rehearsing what has taken place over the last almost 40 years. And early on in chapter 2, one of the first things that Moses reminds the children of is our theme verse there in Deuteronomy 2.7. For the Lord thy God hath blessed thee in all the works of thy hand. He knoweth thy walking through this great wilderness. These 40 years the Lord thy God hath been with thee. Thou hast lacked nothing. And, and Moses is, is rehearsing all this to them. And while God was gracious to them in spite of their hard hearts and, and their stiff necks, and he still provided every one of their needs in the wilderness. So much so that their feet didn't even swell. 
I mean, Adrian sits in the car for a day, like, oh, my feet are all swollen. It's like, well, my God prevents that. <laughs> oh, mercy. <clears throat> it's good to have you back, Shug. It just, yeah, yeah. God met every one of their needs, and but but here's the thing. Get this now. The wilderness was not their destination. Isn't that right? God had brought them out of Egypt for more than just to dwell in the wilderness. He had a purpose for them. He had a place to take them. Now, with that in mind, here in Deuteronomy chapter 6, let's begin in verse 17. Well, let's start in verse 16. Ye shall not tempt the Lord your God as ye tempted him in, in Massa. Ye shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes which he hath commanded thee. And thou shalt do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest go in and possess the good land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers, to cast out all thine enemies from before thee, as the Lord hath spoken. And when thy son asketh thee in time to come, saying, What mean the, uh, what mean the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God hath commanded you? Then thou shalt say unto thy son, We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders great and sore upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from thence, that he might bring us in, to give us the land which he sware unto our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God as he hath commanded us. So Moses tells them that if they will obey God and obey God's word, and to do that, I don't like wearing electronics when this is going on. I know I'm probably safe, but it's just still. Anyway, um, you just kind of think it's going to find its way somewhere to the... Um, so Moses is saying, if you obey God and obey his word, if you'll do that which is right, then you'll go into the land, you'll drive out the wickedness that's there, and, and you'll get to live there. And, and, and he's using this saying, when that happens, and your children come to the fathers, and, and they ask, um, what's the deal with you following God's commandments? And hopefully every child who is raised in church will get to that point. What is this that we're doing? Why do we do this? And, and when they do that, uh, they were to be able to say unto them, hey, this is why. God brought us out of Egypt. And, and he did so with great signs and wonders and with a mighty hand. And God delivered us from being enslaved. And the fathers could then instruct their children that if they would continue in the ways of God to obey his commandments, then it would be for their good because God would then preserve them alive in the land. But notice verse 23 again, because it's there that we find the reason God had brought them out of Egypt in the first place. And notice uh, that it says there that he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in to give us the land which he swore unto our fathers. So we find that God brought them out that he might bring them in. The wilderness was not their destination. We already covered why they had to do that. But he brought them out that he might bring them in. And that's what I want to preach about tonight. God has brought this body of believers out 
from bondage to bring us in to a place of even greater blessing. Now, I'm not a prosperity gospel preacher. Not in the terms of the modern movement where God just sits in heaven for your happiness to bless you with all the goods and uh, materialistic things you can have and make your life easier. I don't believe that, but I, I do see in this verse that God does, in fact, have blessings for his children prepared. So I'm not going to shy away from that, but God had prepared a land for the children of Israel to inherit, and it was a land flowing with milk and honey. I don't know what that means exactly. I always picture like a waterfall of honey, and you know, and then I've got like my, my oatmeal or something under there. And anyway, um, I don't know what all that means, but I, I do know it means this. Uh, it was a land that was going to be very fruitful. And so it was a land that would flow with milk and honey. Vineyards were already planted. Wells were already dug. Houses were already built. Cities were already walled in. And it was a blessing that God had prepared for Israel to inherit. And, and I'm not suggesting that when we cross over November, 4, uh, November 15th, 2019, God's going to miraculously pay off all our mortgages. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Amen. God's going to fill our fridges with every cut of meat we've ever wanted. And, uh, <laughs> amen. And, and so uh, I'm not saying that, but, you know, would you agree tonight that God does bless us? <laughs> thank God for that. And, and it's not only material blessings. I thank God for those things, but more importantly, the spiritual blessings that God gives to his children. And, and here's the deal. If, if we were to go around the room tonight and we were to ask you your testimony of what God has done in your life, we would pick up on this theme. That for those of you who have been saved, God has brought you out of something and intends to bring you into something. That would be kind of the common thread in one way or the other. We would find that to be true. And Moses said in verse 21, Thou shalt say unto thy son, We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt. They were in slavery, as, as we've already stated. But notice the verbiage. They were not still in bondage. But they were bondmen in Egypt. They had definitely been enslaved. And this pictures every child of God before salvation. Every one of us. Thanks to Jesus Christ and his sacrificial death upon the cross, we are no longer enslaved to this world, to our flesh, to sin, to the devil. That was the condition that Christ found us in. Everybody with me? And as we raise our families and when our children look at us and ask why we serve God, why we love and obey his commandments, we can answer this. Because I used to be in bondage, but God has brought me out. Would you think for just a moment where you were when God found you? And by the way, aren't you glad God isn't looking for perfect people? <laughs> he came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And he said, those that be whole don't need a physician, but those that are sick. And so he's not looking for perfect people. Thank God. But he can make you perfect. Amen. Right. Complete. 
God found us when we were neck deep and sinking fast. Where God found us, we could not get ourselves out of. We were lost when we got saved. And if you've never been lost, you never got saved. Now, we don't glorify sin. And we don't need to brag on who was the worst sinner or who was the most wicked. But for the sake of this message, I want you to remember where God found you. Some of God's children were drunks and bound to alcohol. Some were on drugs and strung out half the time. Some were using their bodies for ungodly purposes. Some were womanizers and some were prostitutes. Some were killers. Some were liars. Some were covetous and some were thieves. And, and sometimes someone might try to say, well, I wasn't that bad. Listen, you were that bad. You were bound in sin, and there was no way out except by God's mighty hand. To top it all off, some of you were in bad home situations. Some have been molested, physically abused, verbally and mentally abused. Some never heard the name of God or Christ in their homes except in a cuss word. Some never saw their family with a Bible. Some never darkened the door of a church. Some parents were never really there. But aren't you glad that God found you and loved you anyway? And what I'm trying to say tonight is that some of us have been brought out of some very serious bondage. And you might be thinking, well, why do you want us to think that way? Because how are you going to be glad you came out if you don't understand what you were in? And and don't expect your children to come and ask you of your testimony if you can't ever admit that God had to bring you out of something. If you claim to be saved but have no testimony of what you came out of, then I'm concerned about your salvation experience. But, but you don't understand, I was raised in a godly home. Okay, praise God. But what did you come out of? <laughs> there had to be sin that you had to recognize in order to know that you were a sinner in need of a Savior. Listen, I thank God for my godly heritage. I was raised in a good home. My dad was my pastor during my teenage years. I'm very thankful for that. But I can tell you, I was wicked. Just as wicked as the drunk. Amen. Listen, if you don't start figuring out that God brought you out of something, then how are you going to tell people what God did in your life? Our children and our grandchildren need to know that there's more about us than what they see today. Now, I don't know your situation. I can tell you mine. Uh, I was saved at the age of 12, and I've given my testimony several times, but I got saved then, um, didn't live for God the way I should, and and it wasn't until we got to Korea 
in, in 98, and I was 20 years old, and we started to get our, our lives right. And, and, and I'm, saying, I'm saying that to say this. By the time Sydney came along in, what year were you born, 03? <laughs> I do love my kids, I promise. Um, when Sydney came along, we had already gotten things right with God. We, we had already kind of started living for God the way we should have been. Everybody with me? And so by the time we had four kids, sorry, Kaylee, you really need to be somewhere else. But by the time we had four kids, all they've ever known is what they're seeing now. Isn't that right? So, and some of you understand this because you've been raised in a godly home. And all you ever see of your parents is what you see now. And it's pretty good. At least I hope it is. And it's pretty good. And they see that, you know, they may not quite understand it all. You know, preachers like to joke, I had a drug problem when I was a kid. I got drugged to church. And, and so they may not understand all that. But, but, but they come to church and, and they, they see you. Um, and, and they may not even understand how, how bad it is out there. But they, they see you living a certain way. Um, not using certain, anyway, just, just living for God. And, and, and that's where we were at. We, our, our kids have only known, not that we're perfect, but they've only ever known church. Amen. They came to church nine months before they were born. Amen. That's hardcore, amen. And, and so, uh, anyway, by, by the time we started raising children, that's all they ever known is what they see today. And, and, and without glorifying sin, I've got to emphasize that, but our children need to know that it hasn't always been this way. It hasn't always been that, uh, you know, I was born into this world with a Bible in my hand. And they need to understand that we once were in bondage in Egypt, but because we cried out to God, He heard our cry and delivered us out of slavery. Amen. And our problem is we get so puffed up with pride, and we think, look at the work God has done in my life, and we forget just how bad a shape we were in when God found us. And when we get to that place where we think we're something, we're going to stop coming up alongside of someone who's broken, who's hurting, and that just needs us to put our arm around them, say, I love you. I know where you're at. I've been there, right? And we need to let them know that if God delivered us, then he can deliver them too. Amen. Please understand how I mean this, but we need some former drunks who can go out and tell somebody else, I know what you're going through. I know that temptation you face. And you can let them know, I used to be drowning in sin. But then testify to them as you come alongside of them. And you just say, if God can bring me out, he can bring you out. 
I don't hate divorced people, but I hate divorce. Everybody with me? And even those who have been through the pain of a divorce will typically say, yeah, that's not what I want for your life. Yet, we need those who have suffered through divorce to be able to testify and come alongside of those whose marriages have been wrecked and show them God can bring you out. Listen, I, I wish I never had to have suffered this in my life, but I did. And, and be that as it may, God has forgiven me. And, and now I just want to encourage you that if you'll just press on for God, focus on the Lord, obey His commandments, all these things we read, God can help you. We need that church kid who in their pride was rejecting Christ but then one day realized they couldn't be saved by mommy and daddy because they were in fact wicked before a holy God. And they need to be able to testify to other self-righteous sinners that God wants to bring them out too. By the way, that was the Pharisees' problem. They were so self-righteous that Jesus said this, you know what you are? You're the blind leaders of the blind. They couldn't help somebody if they wanted to because they were so stinking self-righteous. We need that financially successful person to testify to another who thinks they have no need of God in their life and be able to share with them that they too need to be saved. We need that person who knows what it's like to come out of depression that person who remembers when they were hateful, that person who has anger, who had anger issues. We need people who can go to others and testify of what God brought them out of. And if God helped you and brought you out of bondage, then God can help them too. And, and listen, again, I'm not talking about being able to brag about how many drinks you can handle or how many drugs you tried and, and give your resume of your sinful life. That's not what we need. We don't need to go into detail. But I'll bet you that if you've been there, you know the signs to look for. And I bet you can relate. And you can say, I know where you're at. Because that's where I was when God found me. What I'm saying is, God didn't bring us out to be religious. So that we could look down our noses at someone and say, Psh. Because if we are honest, we were no different. God wants us to help others. Not only do we need to remember where we came out of, but in verse 22, people need to actually see the transformation you're claiming that took place in your life. Notice that what God did in bringing them out was seen with physical sight. Verse 22 says, And the Lord showed signs and wonders great and sore upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all his household before our eyes. Now, God loves to hear us brag on him. God loves to hear how it's all about him. But if you're going to go to somebody and you're going to claim that you've been freed then your life needs to match up with that. Your testimony, if, it's, if you're saying God has brought me out of this and your testimony said something different, you're actually weakening God's power in their eyes. 
Why do I need God? Christianity does not need more hypocrites. But in reality, we need those who have, in fact, come out and are no longer living enslaved down in Egypt. Now, I want you to get this here. In our text, they are being told what they will say when they enter the land. They're not in the land yet. Everybody with me there? Uh, They are being told what they will enter into, which means they're not in yet. They're out, but they're not yet in. Everybody catching this? This is important. And and, and I don't mean that somehow they're half saved and half lost. (laughs) Listen, if you came out, you got all saved. Amen. Uh, I'm not saying that. There are no half, half births. Yeah, amen. I didn't want to go there, but now that Adrian brought it up, uh, not just half of you gets born. Man, I'm glad to be a man. Amen. Praise God. Uh, Where am I at? But I want you to listen to me well, because I'm convinced many in churches today may have come out, but they still haven't gotten in. Those who are, are, are delivered out of Egypt, but they're still not in the land of promise where the milk and honey flow because we live in a day of wilderness Christianity. And you may have been brought out, but I want to ask you tonight, have you been brought in? I've been in church, even though I had a rough patch for a couple of years, I've been in church almost my entire life that I can remember. I can remember back to three. I can remember the Haven in Korea. And I remember being in church pretty much my whole life. And, and this year, I, I, I passed 20 years of preaching. And I can tell you that many know nothing about the Christian life going further than where they're at today. It's amazing how many think they got in when they started attending a church with some regularity. Yet, how many will show up on a Sunday morning? How many will will show up for all services, warm a pew, and just get up and walk out? Amen. Amen. There's, there's, there's multitude in churches who have come out, but they never got in. Some think they're in, but they don't even read their Bible. Many in churches today have never read their Bible all the way through. And what's amazing is some of them who have are like, no, I've read it through. (laughs) It's not like a novel that you read once and write an essay on it. Amen. It's a living book. You need to kind of stay in it. Um, I I always get kind of mixed emotions when I'm witnessing to somebody and they say, no, I've read the Bible through from cover to cover. Wow. Anyway, I'm going to get sarcastic. Let's focus. 
And so the sad reality is <laughs> the most Bible reading that many Christians get is when the preacher reads the text. God delivered me. Great. Are you in? Most don't know what it means to have God speak to them. Well, if God would speak to me like he did to Moses on top of the mount, that would be pretty good. Have you ever considered what God was speaking to Moses about? He was talking to Moses the Word of God. <laughs> oh, well, how do you know that? Because it's recorded in here for us, what, what was said. Now, I don't know if he started off with, hey, how's it going? You know, hey, Moses, how's it going? Was your journey up the mountain tough? <laughs> you know, I don't know if God's like that. Um, but I know this, that when it got down to it, it was all about the Word of God. Why am I saying that? Because if you want God to speak to you, then you have to be in God's Word. you got to get in the Word and put it in your heart. Many don't know what it means to pray. They might pray over a meal. Little short snippets here and there. But when's the last time you entered into a prayer closet? Amen. You might have been brought out, but you're not in. Has it ever interested you how you can be in a church service and we can sing a song like, And Can It Be? And this person over here, man, they're about to have a fit. And I don't mean they're acting like me, but they're about to have, they're just feeling it. And this person over here is like, I really could just care less to be here right now. Have you ever been in a church service when the preacher is really getting it and the Spirit of God begins to really fill the room and... Man, there are some people that are just getting filled. And others are just like, when's this over? It's because some haven't got in yet. I think one of the most exciting times in our church, and, and I would say without a doubt, the most exciting thing would be somebody walking the aisle and getting saved. But I would say second to that is when somebody says, I need to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. I love to get to baptize people, uh, except when I dropped the microphone in the baptistry last time. Um, <clears throat> I, 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 just love, I just love that. And it, it ought to be an exciting time for our church, but you ought to see when you're up here and you say, you know, you just finished preaching, you pour your heart out, and there's been a good altar call, and somebody's come forward for baptism, and, and you say, all right, we're going to have a baptistry. <sighs> I guess we got to be here another 10 minutes. Come on now. And God forbid if it's two or three people. Yeah. I was listening to a testimony the other day, and, I, and, and I'm sorry I can't remember the preacher, but uh, they were talking about back in the day, back in preacher's day. <laughs> um, 300 people, people baptized in one Sunday morning. Now, I don't know how long it took. Even if that's, you know, two minutes a person, that's 600 minutes. What does that equal? Yeah, amen. Um, a long time. Thank you, Suge. You know, uh, ugh. The preacher went long again today. 
Do you see what's happening? It's like, I know you've been brought out, but you're not in yet. Now, if the preaching is just terrible, then I get it. Amen. You're like, good night. I, just, I wish this preacher would shut up. Um, anyway. And I'm not talking about lost people in the pew. I expect that from the lost. But what's funny is, you know, I, I'm kind of a sideshow for some of the lost, and they're just like... Um, but especially in South Dakota, you know, it's like, you don't understand, preacher. That's not how we do it up here. And uh, I'm like, yeah. Uh, amen, Jared. <laughs> So, I'm talking about the redeemed that are sitting in the pew that are like, good night, how much longer is this thing going to go? Uh, I can't believe we've got to do a baptism. Uh, why is he telling me I've got to read my Bible, be faithful in church, give, witness, pray? If you're miserable in church, you're not in. But let me just get a little little prejudice about our church, especially in a church like this. If you can't have a good time here, you just, man, you just can't have a good time. You ought to be able to smile when the Holy Spirit steps on your toes. Amen. Wow, that was great. Thank God I'm not a Presbyterian. I know nothing about, I shouldn't say that because I don't even know what they do. But um, anyway, if any of you, anybody here saved out of, or saved out of, Oh, mercy. <laughs> Let's move on. Amen. Uh, I t- <laughs> I'm sorry, Lord. I, I'm glad for any church that preaches the gospel. But anyway, um, <clears throat> so if that's you, you're somewhere in this gap where you've come out of Egypt, but you're not yet in the land. You're kind of in this limbo stage. And, and if you look at the end of verse 23, it says, To give us the land which he swear unto our fathers. When you are in, you are enjoying the promises of God. God had promised the land to them. And when you get in, you're enjoying those promises. <laughs> I saw that, sister, and I hope that it was out of love that you yawned just now. Uh, And so, (laughs) I'm not even going to ask you your age, but if you're over a certain age, it's okay. You can do whatever you want. That's that's kind of the rule. Uh, In case you don't know the rule, if you're over 70, I don't care if you sleep. We'll we'll let you sleep. Have you used that certificate yet? Amen. Lisa Russ got a free certificate to sleep at any service here. Not redeemable at any other church, but... uh, that was so funny. Man, that was a long time ago. Uh, so anyway, <clears throat> so it's living in the promises of God. And when you, when you are living in the promises of God, it contains great blessing. Notice verses 10 and 11 of this chapter. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells digged which thou diggest not, 
vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not. And then he, he transitions to where he's going to give them a warning. And he talks about, look, when you're there, you're going to, be, you're going to eat and you're going to be full. And then he goes on to give them a warning that I don't really want to get into right now. And I'll just say this, with, with that in mind of what God had promised them, the blessings contained in that, ain't God good? Amen. He sure is. Uh, when, when you're in, you'll see God do great things. Walking with God is the good life. And, 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 and we need to uh, be telling our children, and that's what this text is teaching us, we need to be able to tell our children, this is what God did for us. Amen. It wasn't me. I didn't even dig the well. You see, when you live in, you're living in the promises of God, and so many of the promises of God are just these immense blessings that you'll enjoy in your life. And wouldn't it be good if we could get our young people to realize you can save yourself a lot of heartache, a lot of problems, a lot of distress, a lot of sin, if you'll just learn to get in. <laughs> it's not a money-making scheme. It's not some false prosperity gospel. But there are blessings from being in. God God has always taken care of me. I don't know how you feel about it in your life, but God has always met my needs. I testified that this morning. I won't go there again, except to say Adrian broke the car. So who said it was Sydney after service? Who brought that up? Eric McCarty. So Doc comes up to me and says, you realize it was Sydney who couldn't drive. And then I find out you hit a curb after all this repair work's done. Way to go, 16-year-old driver. Amen. Um, I love you, Suge. I'm only teasing. <clears throat> but there'll be a bill in the mail. Now, I can't explain it all. Because it doesn't add up on paper. But God has always come through. I'll put it this way, God has supplied all my needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. It's all from His good hand. Every good gift, every perfect gift coming from above. Now, I didn't mean to focus so heavy on individuals tonight because I'm trying to look at this series more corporately. So to make my conscience a little more at ease, let me try to do some application here real quick as we close. If we're going to see God's continued blessing upon this church, then we all need to get in. Because it's when we are brought in that there are even greater blessings. There are more souls to be won. There are more to be baptized and discipled. There are more miracles to experience. And, and I don't know what is on the other side of 40 years. But there may even be a new facility that we didn't even build. There may be land that we didn't even have to labor for. When you think about the history of, of our church and how this building came about, God provides. 
what was it, two years after starting the church, outgrew the first facility, came here? Well, I want to tell you, it's time to move on. And I don't know where it's at. I don't know what it looks like. It may be something we didn't even have to build. But I know this, when we get in, like the generation before us got in, God will take care of us. God will meet our needs. There are greater blessings. There are more to see. There's miracles that God has in store if we will just get in and walk with Him. How do we get there? How do we remain? Notice the bookends of our text tonight, verses 17 and 18, and verses 24 and 25. Ye shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and His testimonies and His statutes which He hath commanded thee, and thou shalt do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest go in and possess the good land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers. Okay, how do we remain in? Verses 24 and 25. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our our good always that he might preserve us alive as it is at this day. And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God as he hath commanded us. You say, what's the answer? Obey. I mean, I am absolutely... Well, let me put it in these words from this morning's service. I am troubled over the direction of churches in America. There is a complete lack of respect for the holiness of God. Now, listen, I'm not going to tear down that preacher. I'm not. But in here, I think I just need to be, I just need to level with you. I don't think it's respectful for the man of God to get up in holy jeans and a T-shirt. I just don't. You say, why do you feel that way? I'll tell you why. Because God said, look, if you're going to come into the holy place, you're going to have to wear this garment. It's going to have to be this color. It's going to have to have this on it. You're going to have to have holiness unto the Lord. You're going to have to have a breastplate. You're going to have to have this, uh, uh, this what do they call it, like a turban. Uh, you're going to have to have this. Listen, if you're going to come and minister before me, you better look the way I told you to look. Amen. And it just troubles me today that we live in a time when it's like, it doesn't matter. And we say, well, uh, you know what? Let's just take out the choir. I don't know why I'm getting on this, but all of a sudden I feel like preaching. Uh, let's just take out the choir and, and say, uh, w- well, what are we going to put in this place? Well, we can get a drum and we can put a little screen around it because it would be too loud otherwise. And we'll get a little praise band going up there. We'll have, you know, housewife, the Sunday school teacher, the mechanic, uh, the, the woman who's got on her cleaning gloves, and, and we'll just represent all walks of life, and we'll just have a good time singing together. Y'all with me? Because listen, it's about to be on. I feel it. And so we get this idea that, you know what, it's okay as long as we get up there and we start swaying for 45 minutes watching the bouncing dot. And I want to tell you tonight, listen, I've been studying this thing out, and I'm telling you, there is a difference when you get into a song that has doctrine in it. I'm talking about a song that'll say, uh, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. And listen, there's just something about that. I don't even know where I'm going with this, except to say this. We need to obey God. And, And we may not like what that means. You think I like being in a suit? Come on now, you know me better than that. You know, as soon as this is over, I'm. Yeah. 
why do it? I'm just trying to obey God. That's it. That's it, brother. I'm just trying to obey God. Listen, I don't know where to draw the line on all this clothes thing. I, I got some opinions. But I can tell you this. When we stand up before the Lord to minister, we're going to look a certain way. Amen. I don't know. I, I just don't know. Because I know this. I'm going to stand before God and give an account. Is everybody with me? I, Lord have mercy. I don't know how we got on this. I won't go into detail, but somebody looking at one of ours saying, that book's too old and it's too hard to understand. We're sticking with the book. And I can only hope that our kids understand that and continue it to the next generation. But it's over 400 years old. No other books brought revival to this land. Now, that's a fact. We're sticking with the book. I just want to obey God. And I just want God to be pleased. Somebody I respect called and said, Hey, I just need to know where you stand on some things. And, and, uh, I said, that's fine. I get it. And uh, I said this, and I know I've said this before, I think. I just want Rapid City to know that God blesses holiness. I don't know what that blessing looks like, except I know this. We're still singing the hymns. We're still using the book. We're still trying to present an image that the community can look at and say, man, there's something different. And and yet we're looking for a new facility. And, and And I'm just simply saying this. If we stay with it, God will continue to bring the people in. And he's going to say, listen, I've got a land for you to inherit. And if you want to get there, you just keep obeying me. Keep staying with my commandments, my statutes, my judgments, my word. And listen, I will pour you out a blessing that you can't even contain. Is this making sense? Okay, good. Because it is in my mind, and I just want to make sure you can hear me. And and so, anyway, if we're going to go forward, we just got to stick with it. Just stick with it. I, and I don't mean some stubborn, you know, uh, well, you get, you, what are you getting the drop-down screen for? What are you, some kind of modern, uh, don't be stupid. Uh, amen? Uh, I mean, it's okay to have some visual aids. It's okay to have a projector. It's okay uh, to have lights. You think I'm kind of teasing, but you know, back in the day, this is interesting when you study music. Um, when they first started singing hymns, it was the devil. I'm serious. They were like, man, we only sing the word of God here. You need to get that stuff out of here. And so I'm not saying that we have this attitude of, you know, us four and no more. But I am saying this. There are some precepts in here that we must stay with. 
and that we cannot bend on. Anyway, I'm getting off track here, but let's just close this out by saying this. Uh, we, just need to, we just need to let God bring us in, okay? And he's going to do that as we obey, as we stay faithful uh, to those cornerstones, if you will. And I believe God's got something in store for us after 40 years, um, even more than we've seen in the first 40. And so we must keep going forward. Let's just keep going forward. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for the word of God tonight. And I pray that it was uh, understood and applicable. And I pray now your Holy Spirit would just begin to let it take root in the heart. And Lord, the, the hope tonight is this, that not only have we been brought out, but that we would come in to the land, that we would live in your promises and your blessings that you have prepared for us. And may we be obedient for Christ's sake. Amen. Let's stand together, please. If you need to respond, you can do so. The altar is open. And maybe you just need to say, Lord, bring us in. Bring us in, Lord. If the Lord spoke to you, you move.